0: People. Welcome back to the Rotobomb Podcast. Pete Davidson here. As always, it's Tuesday. So, this is mostly going to be waiver wire stuff. Uh, <laughs> man, <laughs> what I really want to say um, is against FCC regulations. Um, I don't practice Santeria. I have no crystal ball. But, you know what? Let's take a crack at this thing anyway. I, look, you're going to be spending a lot of time on this pod uh dealing with what we all have to deal with with all these injuries Uh, but real briefly let's just get into sunday as a whole and how it relates to all the dfs stuff we were talking about going in i just want to talk about one lesson you know i think a lot of us learned lessons on sunday but i think for me it was about the lesson that i'm really glad i learned going into sunday and i know i told you guys i was going to have paris campbell all over the place and i did he was in probably eighty percent of my gpp lineups and thanks to Aaron Jones, a couple of them cashed anyway. But the one thing that I'm really, as, as, as Sunday played out, I said to myself, you, you prepared, you had really good lineup set, this badness is happening. But because I staggered things correctly, because I didn't put Paris Campbell in my early only slate intentionally, and I didn't put him in my cash lineup intentionally for the purposes of mitigating risk, that decision saved me. So it's something, and the reason I'm saying this isn't to pat myself on the back, although, well, a little bit it is. I mean, hey, every now and then we all deserve a pat on the back. Um, but I think it's something I just want to emphasize because it's something that I, 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 I'd I like to see all of us doing before we lock in. Do we sort of have any type of risk mitigators going on? And I think last week was an excellent week to do that. Um, so if you have leaned in on one guy and all your GPPs, it is, a you know, and again, if you're, look, if you're made of money and you're doing this for fun and you don't care if you're four or five bills down at the end of the day, God bless you, do whatever you're going to do and have fun with it. But if you're like me and a zero out hurts you a little bit and you really can't afford to to put, you know, two, 300 bucks in place, sometimes more and have the whole thing zero out on you, or at least you want to really avoid that scenario as much as possible while also being aggressive. One way to do it is to not let Your cash lineup infect your GPPs too much, and vice versa. Now, sometimes I'll have guys in both. Usually, it's because they're price down guys who are conduits as much as they are plays. Um, But you know, I think it's something that we should all do: is create a bunch of good lineups. Yes, absolutely. I, I don't like my lineups to relate to each other too much. You know, sometimes a little bit, but what? But having, you know some fail-safes built in, like when I was talking last week about, hey, let's take all these chalky plays that everybody likes, let's put them in our cash lineup, and let's leverage against them in our GPPs, that's essentially what I did, the only guy who I had, well, two guys who I had significant GPP exposure to that were in cash, and they were Henry, um, and Jonathan Taylor, Taylor for price, Henry because I was overconfident, um, and, you know, I went out of my way to try to separate these two things. So, if the GPPs went south, the cash would probably be okay, and vice versa. Anyway, so that's that's just my little wrap-up from the DFS last week. Now, for the carnage. Um, look, this stuff ain't pretty. I know we got some 0-2 teams out there that are, you know, staring into the abyss. And look, I don't have... Good news for you. It's probably going to be a tough season if you took Barkley at number two, and right now you are in a jam. If you took McCaffrey at one, because there's nothing that replaces McCaffrey. There's 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 nothing out there that we can afford to pay for that's going to replace the ceiling of Barkley. Um, but like I always like to say, when a running back gets hit in the backfield. A bad running back will let his feet stop moving. A good running back will keep those feet moving through contact, try to get out of it, see downfield, and do the best they can with it. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep our feet moving. Um, one word of advice. Now, I talked about the big sky last week. There are so many plays. Free agency is a little bit like that this week. there's so many guys out there. What I want to try to do is sort of give the angle, the flavor of each guy. Which guy should appeal for you, given your situation. Now if you're 2-0 and you're really strong, I think tonight's a night to save money, probably. I mean, you know, probably. If if your team is kicking ass, you're scoring points, but the one weakness you have is running back depth, then I think throwing money at some of these long-term running backs that are available makes sense. If your team's kicking ass and everything's great, Um, and you could use another running back, but the only guys available out there are going to be two to three week options, then I think it's probably better off to save money, stash the high quality, high upside guys who are absolutely out there in a lot of leagues, and then save that money for targeted needs if your running back goes down instead of your league mates, right? Speaking very generally here, but what we want to do is we sort of want to diagnose, if you will, our teams. What are our needs? what is the best way to play this situation? If I'm 0-2, and I just lost one of those stud running backs, you know, you definitely, it's time to start throwing some things at the wall. Now, that doesn't mean overpaying drastically, because if you just lost a player, if you overpay, well, you're just putting yourself further into a hole. But in free agency, I think being bold makes a lot of sense. In free agency, what are we holding back for? I mean. Week four when we're 0-3, week five when we're 0-4. No, I mean, the time to be aggressive with your with your fab money is probably now if you just took a major hit. You know, if you lost McCaffrey and Mike Davis is out there, and especially if you're 2-0, and sell your soul to get Mike Davis. Just spend whatever you think it takes um, because he will solve 60% of your problems you know you might pull out like if you're if you're if you're 1 and 1 or 2 and 0 and you just lost McCaffrey and you can get Mike Davis and you can just go 2 and 2 over the next 4 weeks you might get McCaffrey back and you'd be in pretty good shape so you know for some of us there may be moves out there there may you know things we can do um so i'm going to sort of work through these position groups and talk about these players not in terms of which one is the best but which one is the best, depending on what type of situation you're in, okay? Um, I will do my best to put them in some type of order like I do in the waiver wire. But if you're a longtime rotobotter, you know. I mean, I really want you guys to, as much as possible, make your own decisions here. I'm just trying to give you the lay of the land. All right. Let's get into the quarterbacks, and it ain't going to take long. Because, you know, unless Drew Locke was your starter, you're, you're, <laughs> you're okay. Well... I guess Jimmy Garoppolo would be another one. But, I mean, we didn't really lose anybody we were counting on. Uh, now, at quarterbacks, I think the one thing I want to talk about is Ryan Tannehill. I mean, how he's not owned in more Yahoo leagues and ESPN leagues is beyond me. But um, if you are a team with a great team and you held back a quarterback um, and you, know, you didn't get Newton or one of the other guys that we really liked uh, and you're sitting out there with Kirk Cousins or God knows what, um, getting Ryan Tannehill and making him your weekly starter is a phenomenally good move. Um, I think Gardner Minshew also is a pretty good pickup. Uh, he's he's playing well. Although I have to say, I mean Minshew, uh, you know it's it, I mean he's not playing as well as a lot of people say. Um, really, first quarter last week. I thought he made some really bad throws. I think it might have been his first throw of the game. Should absolutely have been picked off. It was just a brutally bad throw. Um, but I'm a Minshew fan, as you know. And uh, he definitely got better as the game went on. And the guy's putting up touchdowns. Um, so definitely a guy, uh, you know, I mean, I, obviously he's not out there in a 2QB league or anything. But, um, you know, for certain situations, bigger formats, um, Minshew could absolutely help you. Um And I'm actually going to – I didn't look at it before. I should have, but I'm going to just pull up his schedule. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I mean, his next – the thing with Minshew, really, uh, up into the bye, uh, the Dolphins, the Bengals, the Texans, and the Lions in the next four weeks, that's good action after performing well the first two weeks against the Colts in Tennessee, tougher matchups. Uh, He does then get – The Chargers, and he has the Steelers uh, down the stretch, the Ravens, um, and the Bears in the playoffs. So Minshew's probably more of a regular season quarterback than a guy with playoff appeal. Uh, But he definitely, over the next month, is imminently playable. Um, Mitchell Trubisky becoming more and more interesting in deeper formats. They're letting him run a little bit, um, and all his weapons are healthy at this point so you know looking okay there with Trubisky if you need a deep option Blake Bortles is gonna <laughs> is gonna be in uh Denver although you know really not sure when Bortles might actually get under center I, you can make a pretty good argument that Driscoll's better um Bortles sure would be fun though I mean hey Jason Mendoza's happy that's a good thing um so Bortles is just worth mentioning from a covering all the bases standpoint. Justin Herbert, I talked about him last week, that he would be in there sooner than later. I was not predicting a pregame injury, not taking a victory lap here, but we did see why we might want to be interested in him. He can run. He's got a big arm. Uh, He changes the dynamic of that offense. And, you know, some people are freaking out that they're, you know, Can You know, Tyrod's still the starter, blah, blah, blah. Look, some of these traditional coaches, they don't let guys lose their job to injury. That's probably what this is about. Uh, I think within the next couple weeks, um, Herbert's going to be the guy, and that's probably the right call. Now, the other side of the coin is, um, this is not a particularly great team. Um, And, you know, I think by and large, um, what's going to happen with Justin Herbert is that he's going to struggle. I don't anticipate great returns, but because he's an athletic guy who can give you some foot points, you know, um, he's a guy who, when the matchup is right, you can play him. And then when you look at the schedule, Carolina this week would be great if he plays. You could play him there. Um, then the next two weeks against Tampa, and the Saints don't really want any part of that. But the Jets in Week 5, the Dolphins in Week 6, Jacksonville Week 8. Excuse me, Jets in Week 6, Miami Week 7, Jacksonville Week 8, Raiders Week 9 um Broncos um so really up until week 11 they're playable then Buffalo and New England not so good but then Falcons Raiders Denver to close out so um you know the Chargers schedule is really not that bad um and Herbert's a guy I mean I threw him out there just in case there were people in 2 QB boot in, in you know Superflex and 2QB where he might be sitting there in a waiver wire, just you know, in the right league, I think he's a guy to pick up. Obviously, now he will be a hot pickup in two QB if he is available, which you know, unless you're in a sort of a smallish league, I, I'm thinking it's probably unlikely. I don't think he's out there in any of my two QB leagues. Um, so when it comes to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, uh, we're talking about Nick Mullins coming in, and you know, Nick Mullins. <laughs> It's sort of funny. So many people out there saying, oh, Mullins is better than Garoppolo. I mean, look, I don't know what world you're living in to come up with that idea. Mullins is a backup quarterback and not a particularly good one. He's limited physically. He doesn't have much of an arm. Um, You know, he's a smart, tough, savvy kid who, you know, can come in and, you know, hold the fort. But, you know... (laughs) people getting excited about Nick Mullins. I don't even know what to say about it, but I'm not going to be picking up Nick Mullins outside of desperate situations. Uh, but in leagues like the fishbowl and super flex, um, yeah, he's probably out there uh, it's the kind of league where people are rostering all the backups. So certainly uh, in some situations, Nick Mullins can help if you're in a league that's so deep that there are no quarterbacks on the waiver wire. He's certainly a guy who's going to be able to play this week, maybe next. Um, uh, you know, and he... Eh. I mean, look, Garoppolo isn't great shakes himself. The drop-off isn't, you know, like a cliff. But I do think Nick Mullins hurts the offense. I really do. Um, okay. Um, I may add some other quarterbacks to the final wire. Um, but that's about it in terms of guys I want to talk about. Um, now let's move over to the running backs because, oh man, this is where the rubber hits the road for, uh, for uh, this week's waiver wire. So like I said let's talk about these guys in terms of what we're actually projecting to get okay so one at a time I'm just going to go through these guys at the top of my list um, which may surprise some people because I haven't been his biggest fan but I've been impressed with his first two weeks of film Um, again from where I was the first two weeks made me feel like I was too low now granted where some other people were the first two weeks me thinks that you know makes me think that they were too high because you know this guy doesn't blow doesn't blow me away but you know at, and and this is the part we we admitted to in the offseason. he is big he is fast and he does have good hands and he functions well um, as a receiver so y- y- there are positives about Josh Kelly he's just sort of a a guy to me um you know, he doesn't do much in tight space. Uh, he doesn't make people miss. He doesn't have particularly good vision. Um, but he is decisive. Um, he makes the wrong decision a fair amount of time, but he's decisive. He doesn't waste a lot of time out there. Um, and, you know, the Chargers are going to give him carries. It does, you know, th- that's the way it is. Um, and it looks like he's almost, almost in like an even share in that backfield. Which on some level you can understand because you don't want to overuse Um you know, I mean, let's, let's be honest, right? Um, Eckler's, you know, not the biggest back in the world. So the idea that you want maybe a 40 percenter uh, to keep Eckler as a 60 percenter makes sense to me. Now, why this guy's getting so much use inside the 20, that's a little tougher to understand, to be honest. You know, down near the stripe, sure. Um, anyway, we'll have to see how it plays out. But the bottom line is right now with Josh Kelly, based on what the Chargers have done where they took him in the draft the way they've talked him up and the way they've used him so far it sure looks like he's about a 45 percenter and that looks like every week which means he's a guy you can play now granted that the chargers they're not a great offense but as we just saw the schedule is not that bad so you know josh kelly's a guy you know if you just lost saquon you know, I think, I think Kelly is one of the guys you should be considering because his value will last you. Now, one little word to Saquon folks, making a move for one running back tonight is probably not the move for what it's worth. You probably want to try to get your hands on a couple of these folks. If you have the cuts, obviously Saquon's a cut. We know that. Sorry, I hate to say it, but he is We're talking, we're talking redraft. So Saquon's a cut. He's gone. Um, you need to find maybe one other cut on your team and like if I were the Saquon guy, I would go after Kelly and then I would probably go after either like Daryl Henderson or some other guy, maybe Devontae Freeman. Um or if if you're not a believer in Freeman, maybe one of the other giant backs, but I would go after a couple of the backs who appear to have rest of the season appeal. Uh Daryl Henderson, if I I think I just mentioned him. If I didn't, Daryl Henderson is another one. Now obviously with Henderson all we need is Acres to step up, or Malcolm Brown to step up and play better, and 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 Henderson's gig can shrink. So, but the thing about Henderson that we like is, as I say in the in the article that'll be out later, he's a bit of a lottery ticket. So you you know you're in a position where you're you need a little luck right now. Well, he's a little guy. He's a guy where with a little luck, he could hit big. And the way the Rams are playing. It, you know the Rams right now are doing; they're running that offense like a clock. It's beautiful. If they would just commit to a single back, that guy'd be a monster. So, if that guy somehow became Henderson, you could, within the next couple of weeks, weave out of that Barkley hit in the backfield, keep your feet moving. Next thing you know, it's like, hey, this ain't too bad. Um, so, you know, you know Kelly Henderson, they sort of fit into that longer range value thing. Devontae Freeman could if he signs with the Giants and if he you know if the rest has done him good um, but let's let's jump down to well you know let's talk about Henderson next um, just while we're here he's got speed He is flashing that speed he's actually looked pretty good just in terms of running with the football what he's had trouble with is functioning in the Rams scheme um, he's sort of run through A lot of these plays he's hitting the hole too fast um which is which is one thing that we get like you hear a lot of fans going hit the hole man hit the hole folks sometimes the running back has to wait for the block and then you hit it you hit it when it when it opens you don't just hit it where it's supposed to be um and Henderson's been doing a little bit of that he's been sort of he's been overrunning the play if you want to you know however you want to put it um but he's also looked a little better this year. He's shown some real burst. He's broken some tackles. Um, we know he can catch the football a little bit. So, um, you know, to me, Henderson is absolutely a guy where I would throw some money at him. I wouldn't necessarily empty the clip unless I was in unless I'm a Barkley team. But I think Henderson's a guy everybody wants to at least put in their bids tonight um, because again, he's got real legitimate upside. Um, we need things to happen. He needs to play great and the other guys need to sort of, you know, part like the Red Sea for him. Um, But, you know, it's, you know, Akers is a rookie. We've seen that they're more than willing to slow roll a rookie. Um, So they might decide to say, hey, you know what, let's just keep keeping Akers as a 15, 20% guy, learn the system. Um, At some point, maybe he becomes the guy, but maybe for a part or the rest of this year, they'll they'll show off Henderson. Maybe they want to get him in a trade or whatever. And obviously, Brown can come in and keep the goal line and and ruin our plans here. But again, we want to look for the upside, you know? Like, how much upside could Dion Lewis possibly have? Like, even if Freeman doesn't sign there, how much upside could Wayne Gallman possibly have? And for what it's worth, if I had a choice between Lewis or Gallman, even though Lewis seems to be ahead of him, personally, I'd go with Gallman. Um... All right, let's 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 go to these 49ers backs. And this, of course, is interesting because any one of these guys could put up huge numbers if they just get enough touches. Now, Mostert has got an MCL. We don't know exactly how bad it is. If it's just sort of an MCL tweak, if it's like the lowest grade, and this is an injury I've had. I had a major MCL and I've had a minor MCL. Minor MCL is like no big deal. It's like seriously, like a couple weeks, you're fine. If it's something significant, um, I mean, I actually had, I actually was in a cast. This happened, my bad one happened a long time ago. I did, my doctor went for the immobilization route, which was funny because when I went back to college (laughs) at the end of the summer and I I went back to practice and our, the school trainer got a look at my knee, he's like, man, you should have scoped it. But anyway, that's just a story. But, um, if he's not getting scoped, that's a really good sign, um, I mean, and if he was getting scoped, by the way, we would probably still expect him back in like six weeks or something, or even maybe even sooner than that. Um, I am not a doctor, so I'm, I'm throwing out very general numbers there, and it doesn't matter, because he's not getting the surgery. Um, so the issue with Mostert is, okay, first how long, but then how healthy will he be? You know, if he's back next week, not this week, but next, I would expect him to be suboptimal or less than normal. If he's out two weeks and comes back he might come back in full strength but this is an injury depending on the severity that he'll feel for a while it could take a little bit of edge off of him and he's a speed back so this is a little bit of a troubling injury for those of us who have some mostert shares okay Tevin Coleman's injury sounds like a multiple week injury so McKinnon should have the run of the thing this week if all you need is a one week start then I think focusing on McKinnon would, would actually be okay. And the good thing about McKinnon is he's probably going to have flex appeal, I think, the, you know, as long as he stays healthy, I think he's looking pretty damn good out there. Uh, I think he's a better overall player than Coleman, to be honest. Um, so I think, uh, you know, getting Jarek McKinnon and just having him on your team as, as part of your portfolio, I think is a good move. I think rest of the season flex appeal, near-term RB2 potential, with RB1 upside. Now, the problem is, as we know, Shanahan loves to mess with us, right? So we could be looking at a scenario where McKinnon is playing 50% of the time, Jermichael Hasty is activated, he's playing 30% of the time, and then Jeff Wilson is coming in and getting, you know, 10, 20% of the juice, but he gets the goal line, right? Because they like Wilson at the goal line. So there are potential problems here. Um, but McKinnon, we know the coach loves him. We know that last year was sort of a, a sad story for them because they wanted to feature this guy. Now he's sort of the last man standing, ironically. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they said, hey, let's get Jarek 15, 20 touches and, and let him do his thing. So I like McKinnon a lot for this week, you know, for McCaffrey teams, um, you know, maybe. Mike Davis is already taken or something like that. Um, or maybe you already have Mike Davis because you're handcuffed and you're looking to add you know, some more juice. I think McKinnon is a good add there. Um, but the problem with McKinnon is even if these other two guys stay out for like a month, say we don't see Mostert or Coleman until mid-October, right? Or late October or whatever. We could still have a bit of a committee here because that's just the way Shanahan likes to roll. Um, So don't go too crazy on McKinnon. He's probably not gonna be the skeleton key unless he just goes off. Uh, But I do think he's a really nice pickup. Um, Now, let's talk about Mike Davis. Mike Davis is a guy I really like this college film. I like the way he played. I like the, the way he runs. I like the way he caught the football. It's sort of ironic because when he was coming out of college, people talked about him like he couldn't, like, you know, eh, we'll see if he can actually catch the football in the NFL. But people sort of thought he was a banger and a pounder. Um, and he can do that for sure. But in the NFL, he's sort of become a guy whose reputation is that of a guy who catches passes. It's sort of ironic. The truth of the matter is Mike Davis is a guy who can do anything. He can be goal line. He can be your early down runner. He can be your third down back. Uh, And I think he's going to take over the McCaffrey role. Now, the McCaffrey role for him is not going to include being all over the formation, I don't think. But it will include some backfield targets. It will include the goal line. Um, And since Teddy Bridgewater is not a a touchdown scoring quarterback, I think Mike Davis could get some touchdowns. So um, the thing with Davis is, if you're bidding on him as a non-McCaffrey team, so you didn't lose McCaffrey, but you're just going to go after him for the short-term juice, which, by the way, absolutely do it, just understand that McCaffrey is a freak of nature. He does work harder than probably 90% of the guys out there, which is really saying something. And it would not shock me if McCaffrey shortened the window that everybody, everybody's saying four to six weeks, and people are talking about Saquon's injury. So two things there, and I... You know, granted, I'm not a doctor, but I am a guy who I've had a lot of injuries. And so a couple things. First of all, Saquon's was worse, in my opinion. You could see the twist. You could really see what happened to him. It It was a clear high ankle. With McCaffrey, they had to get an MRI to figure out it was a high ankle. And by the way, good job, Carolina, being careful with this. Because this is one of those kids where if you let him avoid the MRI, he'll talk his way onto the field in like two weeks. Um... So G- Caroline is doing what they should do. They're going to be conservative. That's smart. But in that I think this isn't quite what Saquon had. And more importantly, Christian McCaffrey does not succeed the way Saquon Barkley succeeds. He doesn't make outrageous cuts. He's a vision runner. He's very different. You know, he's about forcefulness and being decisive and following his blocks and understanding the play. He's a very different runner than Barkley. Additionally, so much of his value is in the receiving. Um, He's probably, I would imagine that this injury is just as much of a problem running routes as it would be running the football. But a lot of his routes are not terribly complex. So Christian McCaffrey could be back... In, let's say, 85% of his role, from a formational standpoint, there will be certain things he's not going to do as well because he's not ready. He might be playing with a really big tape job, whatever. But it wouldn't shock me if he's back, say, three weeks from now. Like, if he beat the early window by week, it really wouldn't surprise me. So just from the standpoint, if you're not a McCaffrey... Now, if you're a McCaffrey team, who cares? You know, you, you go out, you get him. When McCaffrey's back, you switch to McCaffrey and everything's cool. That's clean. But if you're just trying to buy Davis, I do think you want to think of it as a three-week run. Then if you get four, five, or six, that's gravy and that's great. But I would bid on him, you know, from like a, a three-week window perspective, if that makes sense. Because once McCaffrey's back, Davis will be moving into probably like a 20% roll that turns into 15, 10, 5, and 0 as the weeks progress, right? Okay, let's move on here. Um, let's get into Freeman just for a second, um, for those of you who are thinking about making a bid on him. Now, look, I can't tell you not to. I mean, if he signs this afternoon or tonight with the Giants, um, certainly he would be the guy there to go get. Um, although you could make an argument just for, like, fading it, letting other people spend the money and getting Gallman on the cheap. But, you know, if they sign Freeman, that's got to mean that he's going to get probably... A couple starts in the near future probably not this week because he needs to come in and practice and so on and so forth but certainly by next week he could be out there as the starter um but here's my thing and i said this last year and the year before um so this is not like new information i've been fading Devonte freeman since gosh like 2018 or maybe even 2017 but he he's looked you know and well actually and this is also important this is a back that i used to love Many of you might recall my scouting report on him when he came out. I thought he was a really underrated running back. Um, when he's got his quicks uh, and a little bit of his speed, because he's not a fast guy, he's more of a quick guy. So when you, if he loses a step, he's a slow guy, right? Um, and to me, he has lost a step and the quicks aren't what they were. And he, you know, he's a guy who runs a little defensively compared to the way he used to run. So, you know, but look, he's a functional player. He can pass protect. He can catch the football. If the Giants just need a guy to calm the backfield down, and he plays that role, there's going to be some fantasy value that comes along with with it. In my opinion, it's, it'll mostly be in PPR leagues. So look, Freeman's a guy certainly to consider if you're in a jam. But for me. I just, I just feel like him coming in and doing really well is a bit of a stretch. Um, it, a running back is a usage position, so if he's getting the usage, he's gonna have value. But to me, for him to like come back and go, oh wow, Freeman's back! I mean, look, anything's possible. Maybe he's freshened up, maybe the time away has given him some juice back. But you know, for me, the fact that he's, vi- he's visited so many teams and hasn't been signed, that says a little something too. So I'm just not high on the whole prospect of Devontae Freeman. Um, Miles Gaskin, you know, deeper leagues as a short-term fix, okay. I'm still in the, you know, in the group where I would rather just grab Brita on the dirt cheap and sort of stash him versus, you know, Gaskin. Now, if it's, I got to play a guy this week, okay, sure, Gaskin. Um... Carrion Johnson's out there in a number of leagues. He looks really good, but he's getting not enough. He's a good stash. If there's an injury, he could be something. Rex Burkhead, if James White doesn't play this week, could be a nice pickup just for a weekly deep league option. Uh, I think it's worth noting that Darwin Thompson looked not bad last week when he came in and filled in for Williams. Uh, hopefully, we'll know more about Williams' injury by the end of the day. If we find out that he's going to miss significant time, Darwin Thompson could be a thing. You know, but I mean, obviously. At this point, this is uh, Edwards-Holair's backfield uh, to lose. Um, let me see. Any more running backs uh, that we want to hit before we jump into the receivers? Um, bum, bum, bum. I mean, Miles Gaskin, you know, when we talked about him. Um, Rex Burkhead could be a one-week thing if things uh, don't clear up with James White. Obviously, my heart goes out to, to, to James. Great guy. Very tough what happened to him with his parents getting in that car accident. Uh, Darrington Evans should be back soon. If you're a handcuffer in big leagues, picking him up could be a good move. Uh, I do believe he's the guy you want behind Derrick Henry. Um, and you know what? Bryce Love. Let's talk about Bryce Love. Um, hasn't really gotten anything yet, obviously. Um, but I think as that team continues to sort of open things up, You know, how much longer is McKissick going to be a factor? I mean, he's not doing a damn thing. Um, at some point they got to get this guy in there and give him a shot. So I really like stashing Bryce Love um, in deeper leagues, obviously not in short bench leagues. Um, let's talk about these receivers, because um, I know I just spent a whole lot of time in the running backs. But you know what? I really think that's where we needed to put our time. Um, these receivers, you guys know what I think of them. We'll go through them pretty quick. Um, if Robbie Anderson's available, go get him. He probably isn't. Um, Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rieger, similar, you know, you know, you get the more sure-handedness with, with Jackson. He's been around. Um, you know, you get the excitement with Rieger, but they're both similar deep threat kind of guys. Um, and the Eagles clearly want to throw deep. The protection for Wentz should start getting better. Um, and as that happens, and as the schedule lightens up a little bit for them, uh, not that it's really been particularly harsh. I'm not trying to make excuses. Um you know, I do think that we're going to see better things, uh, particularly in that deep game. And, and really, over the next couple of weeks, uh, both of these guys are going to be playable. Uh, the Bengals um, at home this week, then they travel to San Francisco. They got a beat up secondary out there uh, and a diminished pass rush. So uh, the next two weeks, I think, for both Jackson and Rieger could be good. Um, now, then, you know, they get uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore weeks five and six. But after that, Giants, Dallas, Giants, Cleveland, Seattle, not. Great Cleveland, maybe not great, Uh, but Green Bay, then the Saints, but then Arizona Dallas at the end. So really, except for, you know, three or four tough matchups, uh, the Eagles are going to have a lot of good weeks, I think, uh, for the rest of this season. So I think uh, d Jackson, and Rieger, both, um, d Jackson is close to the 50% mark in a lot of leagues. Rieger's lower. Uh, I think both of them make good pickups. Um, Now, I'm going out of order right now. I'll order these guys in the waiver wire. You know, and really, it's really tough to put these guys in an order. I would just, quite frankly, go after the guys I like the least, uh, the most. Excuse me. That was funny. Um... But I think the thing to do with these receivers, unless there's only a couple available, then it'll be easy for you. I think a lot of the guys I'm going to talk about are worth going after. Um, but if if you're in a smaller league where you know a lot of these guys are available, you know just put in a lot of low bids. You're going to get one of them, okay? Um, but I think um, MVS, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, um, really, except for dropping the football, which is a problem. The, the here's the thing though, they don't have anybody who can do what he does, and he counterbalances Adams, and then the. Position possession guy, Lazard, who works inside. So, you know, MVS is the guy who's always in single coverage. And, you know, maybe even teams are just praying he'll drop the ball, but He's, you know, he's he's catching every other one and making, you know, quite a bit of noise along the way. I think this guy's going to have a pretty productive year. I think he's a really good guy to have as that next man up at receiver, the first guy off your bench, because he can come in and catch a long touchdown in any matchup. He's not going to be a terribly matchup sensitive receiver. It's really going to be more about how teams attack Devonte. Teams that take Devonte out, you're going to see MVS producing in those games. Um, Corey Davis, also right in this group. Now, A.J. Brown, probably not back this week. Probably will be back, I think, next week. Just taking a guess on that. And I think Corey Davis, for at least one more week, is going to be a safe, secure third receiver. Um, Golden Tate, uh, the Giants are probably going to be throwing more. So he's a guy you can pick up. Preston Williams uh, is getting healthier. And I think the Dolphins, take, take a, as I'm talking, I want to take a, a, a quick look uh, at Miami's schedule. Um, i not sure how good it is. Um, Jacksonville this week definitely he's going to be playable. Then Seattle less so. San Francisco no problem at this point. Denver not a problem. Uh, the Chargers not good. Rams okay. Uh, Arizona great. Jets great. Jets again they play the Jets twice in a row. Way to way to go with the scheduling NFL budget blanks Uh, but man two games against the Jets then Cincinnati uh, then Kansas City not a great matchup but they're going to score 90 points so you'll be throwing all day Uh, Patriots week 15 uh, Raiders week 16 so uh, Miami's got a good schedule and there are going to be a lot of weeks uh, if Preston Williams stays healthy um, where we might want to get him in there. So I like him as a pickup. Brandon Ayuk, I like a lot, playing for a team that may need more offense now, which is a good thing, um, and he is getting healthier and healthier. I thought he looked okay last week, didn't get a lot of looks, but I thought he looked good in limited action. In uh, Kiel Harry, obviously, has looked okay. Uh, the the, you know, the car, calling card for him is the usage. You know, they invested a lot in him. He's playing a lot. Cam Newton is playing well. So I think Kill Harry definitely is like a fifth receiver on your team, has got a lot of upside. Um, Curtis Samuel, I think, <laughs> don't buy into two You know, weeks where he didn't get off because he will get off at some point. So Curtis Samuel, I think, in all 12 team leagues has to be owned. Um, and then the guy I really like amongst this whole group, and he's going to be down on most of the waiver wires for whatever reason, but LaVisca Chennault. You know, I think this guy's going to be getting more and more playing time as the year uh, wears on. I'm not a big fan of him getting so many carries, although, you know, what the hell, we'll take it. Uh, but quite frankly, I think he's better suited as, you know, uh, well, you know what, look, the way they've been using him is fine. I don't like it when he's getting like five carries in a game. I think that's a little too much, you know. You want him being sort of a two two to three, four carry cot guy if you have a matchup that you think you can exploit obviously that's fine i think right now he's getting some extra volume because hey they don't have any running backs right Um, but chenault to me once they figure that backfield out i think he'll be sort of like if you go back the way brad smith was for the jets back in the rex ryan days they'll line up a couple plays when they think they can dial something up but for the most part he should be a receiver who dominates with run after the catch on short area work but who can also drop a move and go deep on you um and to me, this guy's the second receiver on this team. That maybe they don't even realize it yet, but he is. And I, I wouldn't let LaVisca Chenault go unowned, really, you know, outside of like 18, 18 leagues and short bench 10 team leagues, this guy's going to be owned if, if I'm in the league. I'll tell you that right now. I just think he's got a ton of ceiling. Uh, Michael Pittman on the Colts, great guy to pick up now if he's been dropped for any reason because obviously Campbell, even though Pittman's not going to move inside, I think probably Hilton moves inside a fair amount now, but they're going to have to start targeting the perimeter a little bit more, particularly down in the red zone, uh, and I think Pittman's a good player, so uh, he's a, a good guy to stash right now. Uh, Traquan Smith um, could be a could be a start one more week. Definitely looks like he's ahead of Mandy, Manny Sanders, at least in terms of Drew Brees looking for him. Um, and then another guy who I think really is a guy to focus on this week and go after aggressively um, is K.J. Hamler. Now, I'm not the biggest K.J. Hamler fan in the world. There are bigger stands out there than me, for sure. But look, let's look at the lay of the land here. They're going to have to throw the football now. They're going to have to because they're just they're going to be behind a lot this team's had injuries um and you know hamler you know i think he played what 62 percent last week um and that's with Cortland sutton being healthy you know for almost half the game right so you know i think hamler should be moving up into that 70 80 percent range he's a big play waiting to happen um you know he's sort of going to be like the mvs of the broncos except it's a little bit more Quickness than long speed, although he has both. Um, but he and you know he's going to be like MVS, where he gets open and drops every other one <laughs> probably. But he's going to make big plays. So I think Hamler is definitely a guy to focus on this week in all leagues because if he hits, he could hit big. I mean, you know maybe. You know, maybe I'm 10, 15% wrong on this guy, and he does catch a lot of these balls, um, and he overperforms where I think he's at, uh, and he ends up being a real thing, you know? So I think Hamler, for upside and opportunity, all sort of coming together at the same time, uh, is a guy to go after this week. Um, for one week, Miko Hardman could be a thing, and obviously, Hardman's a great guy to stash either way. Uh, I haven't cut him on any of the rosters where I have him. Redraft. Obviously, you're not cutting him in dynasty. Um, but I think Hardman. If you know Watkins has a concussion, there's no reason for the Chiefs to push Watkins to play. Uh, and then Hardman, with with Watkins out, would probably be like an 80% snap guy with the ability to make two or three big plays in the football game. So uh, he could be a great flex this week. You pick him up. You know, maybe you don't play him, maybe you do. But he's a great guy to have on your bench because. Tyree Hill gets concussed, or Watkins is out for the week, anybody gets a hammy. It's just one little injury anywhere, and, and, and Hardman becomes a thing. Uh, so, like, in my opinion, he should be rostered. Um, with Sterling Shepard's toe injury, Golden Tate, if he's out there, should be picked up. Um, with Brashad Perryman's ankle, if we hear that the rookie, Denzel Mims, Is getting healthy he's a guy to sort of run to the wire and grab just in case because the Jets are gonna have to throw and I think when you look at the Jets schedule um, I'm gonna pull this up here so I'm not talking out of my blank but I think it eases up a little bit Colts this week, not great, but yeah. Then Denver, high-paced game against Arizona. Two bad weeks, but then Kansas City. Bad week, New England, but then double Miami, uh, the Raiders. So, I mean, the Jets are going to have some games where you want to use their players at some point this season. Um, and Mims over the second half is probably a guy they're going to do everything they can to get the football to because they used a high pick on him. So, not a bad stash option. Um, but, you know, see what happens with Perryman. If they, if, if, if they say Perryman's not going to be out, you know, then you know maybe delay the mem things a little bit. Um, Russell Gage is what he is. Um, he's drafting behind two of the top ten receivers in the game. So he's getting a lot of targets, and he catches the football. So if you like like five catches a game without a lot of other excitement, I think Gage is a guy uh, you can use when you need to. So definitely should be rostered in most PPR leagues. Uh, Keelan Cole uh, looks like he's sort of coming back after, like I say in the waiver wire article, like he was sent to Siberia last year. We still don't know why, but apparently he's back. Uh, not a bad flex-level receiver in 12- and 14-team leagues. Uh, Chase Claypool, like I said last week, is a great stash. We saw what he can do last week. You know, it's going to be intermittent. He's not a guy you can put in your lineup. But, you know, sort of like with Hardman, one injury, and all of a sudden Claypool could be like a monster. Uh, T. Higgins, another very talented guy who seems to be outsnapping the other fringe receivers there like John Ross. If that continues, Higgins will eventually have value with A.J. Green's propensity for injury. Higgins could be a weekly starter by halfway into the season, so I like him a lot as a stash. In really deep leagues, Isaiah Ford is producing enough where he might be worth rostering just to see if it continues. In really deep leagues where you need an option this week, I think Adam Humphreys in PPR formats can come in and help you. He made a really nice touchdown catch on an absurd throw by Tannehill where he was just getting housed and he put the thing, what a dime. Um, Damier Byrd. Damar Bird, however you pronounce it, for the Patriots in really deep leagues, he's getting snaps and looks. You know he's worth a look, um, and that pretty much does it for most of the receivers I want to talk about. Um, you know, again, I think in most leagues, unless you're in a really deep league, in which case just go after the ones that are available. But in some of these um, smaller, you know, typical size public style leagues, a lot of these guys are going to be available. They're all all the guys that I mentioned you know i like to the extent that i said and you know it's i think a lot of these mid-sized leagues and smaller leagues are going to have a lot of players available so what i'm what i'm awkwardly working up to here is don't let your love for any particular player uh, you know cause you to go overbidding on a guy who's really in reality in a group with a lot of other similar kind of guys all pretty solid so you know use the volume to your advantage put in you know mid to small level bids on all of them and you get one of them like that's the way i want to play tonight if i can just because there's so many good options and then quite frankly i think in a lot of these leagues you know put 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 mid-level bids on the guys you really want or just a little bit below a mid-level bid whatever and then just see what happens after waivers. You might be able to get a lot of these guys for nothing, depending on how you're, you know, if it's first come, first serve after waiver run, this could be a week to just not even pay money, put in zero bid claims, see who you get, and then just go grab people after. Because this stuff's not sorting itself out this week. There's Next week is going to be strong free agent as well. Um, a strong waiver wire as well. Um, I may add another receiver or two to the final waiver wire you could look for that and let's do some tight ends and then we'll get you guys out of here uh the tight end group is pretty <laughs> i mean if you can hit at the top of this you're going to be in great shape um i had a couple people ask me like should i pick up janu smith um yes um he's taken in every league i play in. so i don't know how he's available i looked at yahoo he's 60 68 taken there so I don't know where these guys are playing, but apparently there are leagues where Johnny Smith's available, and you really want him. Um, and the same goes for Mike Gasecki, who, you know, I think in some ways is a flawed player. We've talked about it, but we also talked about what would happen if he's one of those core guys in a Changeli offense. Folks, he is. So Mike Gasecki is going to be a weekly tight end one for the rest of the year. I don't see it changing. Um... It could get even better than that. He could end up being elite on a lot of weeks. So I think Gusecki is a guy, at least for now, to go after, roster, and play. Uh, If you can't get one of those two guys, I think Chris Herndon on the Jets. um, And look, I tried to warn people last week that it really wasn't the greatest play. Uh, I know everybody was jumping in on it, but um, that really wasn't a good matchup. Um, But... Um, oh, in the coming weeks, the Jets' schedule isn't too bad. I mean, with the exception of Week 6 and 7, um, most of their weeks are going to be pretty tight-end friendly. So for me, Chris Herndon probably can start for you for the rest of the year, barring injury, with the exception of... You know, I, I'm not looking to start him uh, against the Bills Week 7 or against the Chargers Week 6, but apart from that, um, he's going to be a pretty good play on most weeks if he stays healthy. Uh, Dalton Schultz on the Cowboys, I think what we saw was more of a product of a game being a complete and utter shootout um, than anything else, but what you know while i do say in the article that he's a little stiff and mechanical you know he is a decent football player dalton schultz isn't bad um so if he's going to get targeted he will put up some numbers um so you know in a really deep league and a tight end premium league sure dalton schultz just don't expect what we saw last week very often um ian thomas i think is a great stash eventually the targets are going to start flowing his way the team's going to have to pass more to people other than mccaffrey very soon so i think uptick for ian thomas could come as soon as this week or next Really good guy to put on your bench and roster, especially if tight ends have value in your league or if it's premium or whatever. Mo Alley-Cox, looking good. Um, if he's the only tight end active, he's absolutely startable. Um, we'll have to check on Doyle and when he's coming back and stuff like that. That's going to be a, a thing. But you know, this is, again, a situation where Paris Campbell not being there is going to open up targets for the running backs, the tight ends, and even for the outside guys. Uh, Logan Thomas, still learning the position but still getting targeted. Definitely a viable option particularly. particularly in deeper leagues. O.J. Howard is a mandatory stash if you can get him, unless it's a small league. Uh, Any 12-team league, if O.J. Howard's out there, I'm stashing him because all you need is for them to decide that they want to get this guy off, and it could be just over. So to me, roster him just as a talent-based guy. Um, if you're looking for a guy, you need to, you know, if you're in a deep league and you need a playable option, Tyler Eifert is getting red zone looks and he's still running without a limp. So for now we can play him. Um, in PPR leagues, tight tight end premium, Drew Sample is now gonna be a thing. Uh, Uzoma is out for the year with the Achilles and Sample was active in that game after he left. So in really deep leagues, Sample is a guy you might go after at Target. Um, and then, you know, Jordan Reed, I think, is really more of a situational-based play. Some people pick him up as a shiny object, but we knew it was a jet-related thing, what happened with him. But the minute Kittle is back, Reed's gonna be a couple catches a week, and that's it. So. Um, You know, Reed is a guy, if if you rostered him because you're a Kittle team, great. Keep him rostered until you know Kittle is back. Um, If he's sitting on the wire and you're desperate this week and we find out Kittle's not going to play, he's a reasonable option. But for the most part, Reed's going to be an afterthought, I think. Um, And that does it. I may add another guy uh, to the list at the end, but that's going to do it for the four position groups. So just to sort of buzz through this thing and sum up... um, You know, I think uh, Josh Kelly and Mike Davis, um, Daryl Henderson and Jarek McKinnon sort of stand out as the obvious guys this week to spend money on. Um... You know, if you drop down to uh, the receiver group, uh, obviously kick the tires on Robbie Anderson there just in case. But for me, really, uh, you know, D-Jacks and Rieger and Valdez, Scantling, Preston Williams and Chenault. And I think really Chenault for me might be the guy above all else, just because I think He's in a position where he's going to get volume. He's a super-duper talent. Um, and he really, he just as easily as any of these other rookies, he could break out. Uh, and then the other guy I think who's worth focusing on is Ayuk. Ayuk. Um, uh, and then moving down to tight ends, obviously you kick the tire on Gasecki, um, like I said, and <laughs> obviously we want to, you know, you do more than kick the tires. Um, if Janus Smith is there, really both of those guys, you just grab them immediately. Uh, those are the the guys I'd be focusing on for the for the most part. For the rest of it, I would just try to stagger your bids on the low level and just make sure you get some of these good players. Uh, and like I said, I think it's a night where even if you know you are so unaggressive that you don't get anything, I think there's going to be a lot of good stuff in 10-team leagues and even some smaller bench 12-team leagues, um, you know, first come, first serve tomorrow morning. Um, And, you know, like I told you guys towards the end of August, uh, early September, when we were talking about the draft plan, you know, this is a year where I'm normally a very aggressive free agent spender, but we're seeing these injuries and we don't know what's going to happen with COVID um, because we're still very early on this thing, right? They started traveling. A lot of these guys, could start getting it in the next couple weeks. So we need to be ready for that. I really think it's a good year to sort of have a little bit of a lockbox with the FAB budget. Um, I mean, be aggressive if you need to. I mean, and obviously, if you're a McCaffrey or a Saquon person, you do what you got to do. Uh, but this is a good year, particularly if you're a good team, to not be too aggressive, because you never know when you're going to want to throw a punch. Um, so having said that, um, hey, we got the waiver wire done in under an hour. Hopefully that's going to be the standard going forward. Had a lot to say today, so it got a little bit close. Uh, but I'm going to try to get this thing down to 40 minutes or less uh, for the most part. I'm also going to try to start streamlining the waiver wire article a little bit more each week. More of more listing the names and getting into long explanations because you know it's going to be a big time saver to help me do other things that I think you guys are going to like more and then also um, we're going to get to a point soon where I've said everything there is to say about these guys from a talent point of view it'll just be little updates based on what I've seen on film anyway um, hopefully you guys all managed to survive week two Uh, hopefully uh, we're going to get what we want tonight in waiver um, and in bidding Um, I will be back uh, Thursday, actually I'll be, it's going to be like last week I will start getting some of the um, week 3 lineup rankings up on Wednesday hopefully I'll get the, um, the full rankings up early afternoon um, on Thursday um, and then we'll get into DFS stuff even earlier this week than last uh, and hopefully um, the week 3 DFS pod will be uh, as good as last week's was um, so that's going to do it for this podcast um, I will be oh look at this Man, I'm trying to I'm trying to sign off. I'm trying to come in under 50 minutes. Okay, so it looks like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so sorry guys, this is happening on my computer as we speak. Uh, looks like um, Devonte Freeman is now going to sign um, with the Giants. He's agreed to terms, and blah, 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 he's got to pass COVID physical. Um, but he's gonna be a giant so okay that changes things not a whole lot I think we sort of figured this was gonna happen Uh, but Freeman is gonna sign with the Giants Um, you know how week three plays out who knows probably be a combination of Lewis and Gallman Um, maybe a tiny bit of Freeman mixed in depending on what kind of shape he's in and then you know I'm assuming that Freeman's gonna be their starter week four Um, and look as much as I do think he's mediocre and I do you know I don't think it's a surprise that the team that lost a running back in season is the one who signed him but you could spin that around and say hey he was just waiting for a good opportunity and look that's possible so uh, look Freeman is probably a guy to throw some money at tonight would I throw as much money at Freeman um, as I'm gonna throw at Josh Kelly no I wouldn't would I throw as much as I'm gonna throw at Henderson and McKinnon and Davis Probably in that range, Um, probably in the Mike Davis range, um, or the Jarek McKinnon range. Really, all these guys are similar. That's why I went through that long thing before. Some of these guys are going to fit your situation better, so that's the guy to go after, right? If we need that two-week hit, I think Davis is going to be great. If we need a guy who might have full season value, then you're looking at Henderson, McKinnon, and Kelly. Uh, Freeman now moves into that group where he could have um, all the way through the season value, but... I do think, just understand that it wouldn't be surprising to me if he was in a timeshare with these other Jags, uh, you know, four weeks from now. So, you know, do what you think is right. I think Freeman is in this mix. I honestly don't think he stands above it because I don't think he's anything special, and I certainly don't think the Giant platform is anything special. Um, but that is an update that needed to, <laughs> needed to happen. I'm glad that I caught it right as I was signing off the podcast. Um, so Freeman's now in play. Uh, I will firm this up a little bit when I, when I put the final wire up. Um, uh, I was about to start saying when my eyes caught that uh, on Twitter and Roto World um, that I will be on Twitter tonight. So if um, you need a little more clarity, if you have a question on a guy I didn't mention, if your league is so deep that none of these guys are available, and it's like, hey, I got Hamburger A and Hamburger B, what do you think? Go ahead, hit me up on Twitter. Probably the best time is going to be between 8 and 9. Um, I'm gonna be watching a show with the lady after that um, and I'll be eating dinner before that. So try to hit me between eight and nine tonight and I'll get I'll try to get back to you. Uh, if you're one of those folks who's doing Waiver Wire on Wednesday morning now, uh, I'll probably be on Twitter from about 8:30 to 10. so feel free to hit me up then. <sighs> but that's actually gonna do it. We are done. <laughs> so, onward and upward. Uh, thanks for taking this uh, yearly trip with me. It's always fun. For those of you who have not donated, we're a user supported site. Uh, so, if last week's DFS pod helped you out and you won some money, consider uh, making Rotobond Hole on the back end of that. Uh, the donate uh, button is on the top of the Rotobond.com homepage. So, once again, thanks uh, to everybody. Onward, upward. We'll see you soon. Uh, rankings coming uh, early this week, they'll start coming out tomorrow afternoon. So we'll look forward to a big week three. Hopefully I'll see y'all uh, in the winter circle on Sunday. Giddy up.